Hey everyone, it's Matt Anderson, and you're listening to the Proximity Process Podcast. Glad you're here. This is a um, journal episode today, so I'm excited to bring you just something that's on my mind quite often, and that is this idea that systems don't change until people change. This has been something that I've been thinking about a lot, really for the last year or two. And it comes up a lot in my work now. Um, Some of you listening attend the Proximity Podcast Club every Monday morning, and it comes up there from from time to time. People reference it as something they've heard in in the episodes. Systems don't change until people change. So what what is that? Where does that come from for me? So that's what I want to talk about here. So my career, you know, as a as a social worker, I have a master's of social work. I've been in the work for about 20 years now and have really always been a macro level systems change focused social worker. So systems, what are systems? Systems are are just structures, policies, practices, financing, right? So our, our systems are made up of those things, policies, practices, and finances. And so I've done a number of different things over the years that have been about changing policies, about implementing, developing, scaling programs that that work, and or you know moving dollars, government revenue into into places that we think we need to invest. And and a lot of us do that kind of work, and I think it's it's important and it's necessary. But what I've come to realize is that I think systems change work has real limitations. I'll give a, a couple examples from my own experiences. So at the beginning of my career, I was working with kids aging out of foster care. We um, ended up producing a feature documentary film. It's called From Place to Place. And that film, long story short, landed us on Capitol Hill in 2009-10, and it was released in 2011. And the, the young people in the film that we were working with as kind of co-producers and you know in the film we spent a lot of time with the Senate Caucus on Foster Youth. We spent a lot of time with people some of you may may know or know of, Becky Ship, who was working for, for Senator Grassley, Jatane Hart, um, who's not working in the field anymore, uh, Laura Bernstein. You know, these are people that were working on the Senate Caucus on Foster Youth and some of the sort of early architects of what ultimately became the Family First Act. And when, when Becky Ship tells the origin story of the Family First Act, sometimes she talks about from place to place in that film as part of the origin story. So the Family First Act is a big piece of policy change. It was it was a, a big effort at systems change from the federal level. And the origins go all the way back, probably further, but certainly back to 2009, 10, 11. But you know, the bill wasn't signed into law until February 2018. That's a long time to get from an idea into a bill signed into a law. 2018, it's now almost 2024. Here we are five years removed, almost six years removed from that being signed into law. You know, so we're 13 years in to that big effort. And I think, you know, many of us are looking at it as progress, but not achieving the results, certainly in the timeliness that we would like. So you know, a big effort, lots of time, lots of energy, lots lots of resources put into that with, I think, arguably pretty limited um, results so far, especially for the, the time put into it. So I think about that as something that's been part of my, my career, my history working. And then, you know, just a couple other things. You know, I spent um, 10 years in North Carolina and part of my work there was as a lobbyist. And I worked on a lot of policy and child welfare We ultimately created a a permanency initiative that was funded by the legislature at $5 million annually to scale some evidence-based programs that were going to prevent kids from aging out of foster care. 
And those efforts had had some real impact on moving kids out of foster care to a permanent family before they were aging out. And so that was a big effort at policy change. That took probably six, seven years to get it to scale. And so those are all policy, practice, financing, structural change to the system and successes and wins and and having good good results in, in many ways. And I, I, you know, sit here today looking at North Carolina's child welfare system with 12,000 kids in foster care. And when we started all of this years ago, there were 8,000 kids in foster care. We have more kids in the system today than when we started it. And this is my, this is, this is my struggle. And I look at all, all of, all of that and see the, the limited effect of how are kids doing, how are families doing, how are communities doing as a result of all those efforts. So I, I just, you know, share those as a few different examples of, you know, where, where I've been in my career, how I have focused my work as a macro level social worker, but, but maybe even more importantly, how I have measured success. You know, success being if we can achieve this policy change, if we can scale this program, if we can move these finances, you know, this is where success will come from. This is, this is the accomplishment that, that is the measure of success. But I think what I've seen and, and come to realize is that too often those successes, those wins don't translate down to people benefiting, families doing better, communities having the resources they need people being treated with with humanity with dignity respect you know justice is not necessarily being moved forward for families when we achieve these policy practice and financing wins and and so what do you do with that you know as somebody who is a macro level social worker that wants to work on systems change what do i do with that you know i think that's where this concept of systems don't change until people change emerged from because it's, it's not about what is the next policy change or what can other people do. I had to just start with putting myself first. What do I need to do? How do I need to transform? How do I need to change? Who do I need to become so that I'm contributing to advancing justice for families, opportunities, resources, treating people, valuing people with dignity and respect? How do I go about doing that? And, you know, I think that's, that's where this, this idea came from, because we all know that, you know, policy to, to practice implementation is really, really hard and, and it takes time. And if the culture and organizational culture isn't ready for what this policy is trying to do, the policy's not going to achieve success, right? Culture eats strategy for breakfast. We all know that. We all hear that. And what is culture? Culture is just the people, within the organization. So I think this is where the idea of systems don't change until people change come from for me, just just being a part of a lot of systems change efforts and seeing the limits. And it's maybe necessary, but certainly insufficient in terms of achieving justice for people. And people can change. You know, I, I, I want to say that too. And I think that, you know, in my work now, I'm connected with a lot of people that I, I get to work with or just learn from and observe and watch the change that they're going through. Ryan was a guest on the on the podcast here, and Ryan was a foster parent who thought his job was to help keep a kid safe and give a, give a kid a family in foster care. And what he realized is that his job was to invest in the well-being of parents. He had to change. You know, Keith is a guest on the podcast, and 
you know, he's the CEO of a, of a large nonprofit and he had to open himself up to conversations with staff and families he serves in ways that gives him feedback about his organization that he didn't know before about how people experience their work. And that's changing him. And so, you know, I think this is for me the pathway, at least for now and in part, is that I want to see the unit of change at the people level, at the individual level. You know, if we can find opportunities for people to to become who we really need to be in this work, then our systems are going to follow, our organizational cultures are going to follow. But it's not going to happen the other way first. You know, a policy is not going to change culture. A policy is not going to change people. People are going to change and then they're going to create different policies. They're going to create better, better and different cultures. And so for me, you know, I think I'm just putting first things first. You know, how do I need to change? Who, I, who do I need to become? And how can I create community in ways that help other people go through their own process of changing as well? And, you know, there's there's certainly ways to do that. And so I'll kind of leave with how I do that. What's my process looking like? It's been relational. You know, who do I need to be in relationship with? Who do my teachers need to be? I think about that a lot. I'm curious. I'm a learner. And I create opportunities to be in relationship with people that can challenge me and help me grow and help me change. You know, I have I have daily practices. Obviously, I journal. I talk about that a lot here. Um, but journals are a way to create self-awareness, right? So the more self-aware we can become, the more clear we can see what's going on around us and we can find opportunities where we can change and grow. And then, you know, I think there's a there's another opportunity here just to, you know, people that really know us and love us and trust us, um, you know, can we create a, a safe space where they can give us some honest feedback? I think really being intentional about about seeking that out, I think is is a positive. And those are those are things that that I've I've tried to do in my own process and I, and I think have been really positive for me. And so that's what I wanted to bring today to this episode. Systems don't change until people change and it's a process obviously and being in community around this stuff um, really helps. I know that from my own experience and from others. And so we're creating community. There's a proximity podcast club. So every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern, it's a conversation that you can join into. All you have to do is go into the show notes, find my LinkedIn page, send me a message. I'll send you the link and you'll be invited. It's a recurring meeting. We do it every every Monday morning at 9 a.m. And we have these kinds of conversations. You know, they're really dynamic and they're honest and they're vulnerable and uh, people are finding them super valuable as am I. And so we'd love to have you join. That's the episode today. Uh, Before we wrap up, I just want to, as always, send out a special thanks to our team, uh, Michael Tex Osborne at 14th Street Studios, Evan Scherer for production support, and Christian Heigis for music. Thank you all for being here. We'll see you next week. Mm